It's Thursday, December 16th, 2021. And today we have a very special episode. We are taking a look back at 2021 and asking ourselves, what were the biggest trends of the year? Is Alex Norman psychic? The predictions he got right and wrong in 2021. And what did the TechTO community read, watch, and listen to this year? We'll reveal the highlights from our best performing content in 2021. So let's get started. What were the biggest trends of 2021? Big VC and big valuation comes to Canada. Canada rides the NFT and Web3 trade and fake AI is out, real AI is in. Alex, let's talk about each of those, starting with big VC and big valuations. Well, that one is a topic we almost talked about every week, it feels like. Uh, high level, you had new players in the Canadian ecosystem, particularly Tiger over the last, let's call it four months. SoftBank has written checks into the e-commerce system. And we've had more unicorns this year than I think the last 10 years combined, if not longer. So lots of money being invested in this ecosystem, lots of high valuations. You so what company, is it? Is it inflation? I, I think, look, it's it's inflation and values. It's money looking for a place to go. Like Tiger wasn't investing like 18 months ago in venture and they've raised 10 or 15 billion to invest. That's a lot of money that will be deployed and they'll go globally for it. I think it's an also recognition of the maturity of our ecosystem where you have companies can scale and there's talent here and we're attracting people. So this is all the good things that have been going on for more than a decade are starting to pay off with larger companies attracting global money and getting higher valuations. But is this a Canada thing or were big VC entrants and big valuations more of a macro global trend? I would say it was a macro trend that has existed for a couple of years that had sort of ignored Canada. So we're late to the game, but we're catching up fast and we're growing probably, if I guess if I were to do the numbers, which I haven't. So huge caveat here, this is my assumption, like usually being fact-based, is that we've shown faster exponential growth than other countries maybe india has been a bit as hot as us this year and other and other countries have taken a step back china for lots of government regulations has always well china's always had mega unicorns or decacorns or centicorns <laughs> but this year they, and they produced many this year but probably the small small lower slower trend in the past years versus us like this is unprecedented so the, you you mentioned tiger uh the big vc that came to canada softbank came to canada this year which big valuations stick in your mind from this year in Canada? Uh, well, if you can go just just pure valuations as fair and uh, dapper. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I'm trying to think who, you know, Cohere is not a unicorn, but got pretty high valuation pretty often. You got to go with Wabi also. A seed round, of, she raised $100 million. So even I don't know if the valuation was 300, 400, 500. Um, for a team and maybe an idea or an idea and a team, that's, Pretty rich compared to what we normally see here. How about for you? Any stick out in your mind? I think you mentioned a couple of the big ones. Um, and, and you also mentioned some of the trends that we're going to uh, tackle in just a moment around NFT, uh, Web3, and uh, real AI. Um, were there also some, we talked about big VC and big valuations. Uh, was there also some surprises uh, on the earlier stage rounds? I mean, I know you spend a lot of your time thinking about the seed uh, and getting to Series A. Were there things that you saw there inflated too? Well, I think you've seen more of a K-shaped seed or pre-seed or early stage pre. I think you can look at anything pre-park market fit or pre-attritional A and everything after attritional A. And why I'm saying traditional A, traditional A, you used to have park market fit. You don't necessarily have that. I think if you get to park market fit, 
the valuations are generally high. Pre that, when it's more traditional venture, will this work or will it, won't this work? And just let's be clear, just because you have an A doesn't mean you're going to work. Um, if you were a repeat founder that was well-known, who was tackling a, a space that people are excited about, you could raise basically any valuation you want within reason. Again, like I'm talking about like a 5 million on 20 with a deck. And if you weren't in a hot area, you weren't a founder that people knew, um, it was it was harder to raise in previous years, probably. And do you think that continues into 2022? Well, everything or just- Just or this just, trend. Just the seeds? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I think the case is going to continue where there's a certain founders that can just go put out their hand and raise easily. They're going to be the minority. I think the value, I think you're going to see a bit of compression valuations, but again, I probably predict that every six months. I think it's going to get a bit easier for a few of the unknowns and unpopular areas to raise just because I think there's, I'm seeing one, one of the benefits of all these high valuations, a lot of secondaries, a lot of people have had taken money off the table. So we now have probably 500 more operating angels that can write checks and, to, and take more risk. And so there's, there's people actually, more people running checks at early stage than there was in the past. That's amazing news for the ecosystem. Let's talk about a second trend we saw this year, which was Canada riding the NFT and Web3 trend. Uh, tell me what we saw coming out of Canada in this so, space. And I want, you know, I want to say something unpopular. I think this was a Vancouver trend more than anywhere else. I think, and, and it is probably anchored by the Dapper crew. Um, Dapper Labs, which... I think we first had in Tech Vancouver, I think, in 2018. Um, the CryptoKitties clan. Yeah, CryptoKitties. They were part of Axios and they they spun out and they went quiet along with like NFT or Crypto Winter. And what they were doing is they're building their own blockchain called Flow to make it more consumer friendly. And they kicked, you know, they launched Top Shots. You may remember them, super hot, basketball related IP. You know, instead of getting you know basketball cards, you can now get a basketball NFT. Uh, they took off um, along with the rest of the NFT market. And Dapper Labs just continues to be a behemoth. They keep on growing and growing and raising at higher valuations. And what you're seeing is a lot of Web3 companies coming out of, and particularly Vancouver, because there's an ecosystem to support it, even though this can hypothetically be. And you think that they are the ones who have really anchored that ecosystem? I'd say them. I'd also give credit to version one, in particular Boris, who may not invest a lot in Canada, but has lots of credibility because he's there and he's invested in Dapper. And and like, look, it helps. If you have a company that's worth $7 billion in, or whatever they're worth right now and has a few hundred million, I think my guess is behind the scenes they're, they're, they're funding a lot of these new companies. Interesting. Um, it's Barada who raised, I think, $7 million this week. And so do you have, like in some of the big, uh, some of the big companies have a bit of like a mafia where they support each other as they go and do new things. Have we seen like the emergence of like a Dapper Labs alumni fund where people are oh. funding people from the ecosystem? It's, it's too early. Too early. So what do you think is going to happen into 2022 with this trend? In Vancouver are generally NFTs and... Start with Vancouver, broaden it to Canada. And then if you want to do something big, you can go big. Well, look, Web3 is here to stay. So... It's still in its infancy. It's still in the first inning. It may not be, the valuations may not be as hot next year, but I think you're going to see more and more companies incorporating Web3 elements or being Web3 first companies. Mm -hmm. I think you know, Vancouver has a head start, but I think it's going to go across the country. Um, and will NFTs, you know, NFTs cool off? Probably. Will DAOs pick up? Probably. But um, I think that's more has to do with macroeconomics and where people want to put their money. And I, I just think, 
we've now got a strong leadership out of Vancouver and we do have lots of talent here. Like in Toronto, we have Ethereum, you know, founders, you have lots, you know, you have Matt spoke who is part of Aeon and, and Nuco and, 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 and Vancouver. And if you believe that games are going to be part of the web three revolution, Montreal is in a good position because they're a leading game gaming city. So I, I think it's going to spread across the country and you're going to see more exciting things. I love that. Alex, what NFTs do you own? Uh, I've played with a couple. Um, uh, looked at i've dabbled with chain owners i bought one and sold a minute later and might buy it again how about you jason do you own any <laughs> i think we need to change your avatar to be uh your chain runners nft what do you think it, it looks better than me so maybe yeah well there's i mean that's it's a, pixelated and it's the a low bar <laughs> all right one of the other things you spoke about uh alex uh this year as a trend was fake ai is out and real ai is in what does that mean so i'll reposition that as just like every technology, and I think this might happen with Web3, is when new technology comes out, it gets hot, and everyone wants to adopt it. Everyone wants, And then you have a lot of companies that start out saying, hey, we're built on this. So go back 10, 10 15 years. It was, we're mobile first. We're the mobile first travel company. And then there'd be like mobile, you know, we'll help you do with mobile. So, you know, go back four years ago in Canada, there was a Canada considered a leader in machine learning and, you know, NLP and AI. And there's a lot of AI first companies like, Element AI, which was basically a consulting service. And a lot of those sputtered out. They were too early. They had nothing distinctive. They were just trying to like put AI at the end of every sentence. Now you've got a lot of companies that have learned how to incorporate either leverage AI to as a core differentiator for their product. So I'd even argue Hopper has benefited a lot from this. Their ability to figure out what products are price and how to price them is made them a winner in travel. And then you've got companies like Cohere, which are saying, hey, you know what? You now know that AI machine learning has to be part of your business will enable you to do it. So they're not doing consulting. They're using a technology layer to bring AI to your business. And you're seeing a lot of those across Canada because we do have the talent here. And I'd even go like, you know, with, with going back to one of those big companies, Wabi. Um, it, autonomous, autonomous vehicles are built on AI. Everyone just said, we're going to build autonomous vehicles. Didn't understand the rules and regulation. You saw a lot of those basically put it away. And now you've got the new generation of companies that are saying, okay, this is how it fundamentally changes the way vehicles move. So a lot of innovation. We've got the cycles. You're going to see where it makes a core difference on building a business that could be built off the first generation of AI company. That is exciting. Uh, thank you for those recaps of the 2021 trends and excited to see how they continue into next year. Uh, now it's time for one of my favorite segments of the calendar year is Alex Psychic. We're no. going to look back at some of your predictions and see how you did, starting with the Canadian reverse brain drain. Back in May, you predicted that Canada would grow the tech talent pool faster than the U.S. Did that come true? Well, we don't have numbers yet. So everything I've seen says yes, but I think our lead has fallen. And I think it's because we've been much more conservative with allowing people to move around this country. Um, don't want to get into politics, but our I think we're going to be back in a lockdown and versus states has been open for business. So we've lost our edge in in a weird way in our borders and more teams have gone distributed. So I think our growth is still faster because we're off a smaller base and we're just graduating great people and people want to come here, but it's been dampened by an ability to keep our borders open and by teams going distributed because I, and, and, and also the rising cost of talent. So I hear a lot of companies now looking to hire people abroad because they just can't, we can't, we can't produce talent fast enough. So my guess is when we see numbers for 2021, we'll see fast growth. It'll probably be in the top, We'll probably still be in the top, 
you know, 80th percentile or higher, but it'll be slower than the last couple of years. All right. So we will be looking out for that. Now, if you are part of the Canadian tech ecosystem, you're a founder, you're hiring, you're a scaling company, you're hiring, you're really anybody hiring. What does this news mean to you? Well, you better be, better be willing to pay more for your talent. And, and, and you probably need to think more creatively how you build your brand, make yourself a more attractive place to pay. There's, there's two ways to get talent. People want to work for you because you're doing something cool and you, you've got a strong employer brand or you're paying the most. Uh, and you know, you might be want to look at building a distributed team. And then when you were building your company, Alex, uh, back in, I don't know what it was, the, uh, the thirties or the forties, uh, what was your strategy? Was it employer brand or pay top dollar? Neither. You didn't have to do either. Um, I wasn't smart enough to do an employer brand and I, you know, didn't have the money to pay top dollar. So it's not, you know, my, my strategy was actually hire the right people so I could pay, I, I pay. So instead of like, I think every team tries to fill up 30 positions. I say, okay, these are the 10 positions that make a difference for us. Let's pay top dollar for them, go recruit the best and then make sacrifices everywhere. I'll either have a smaller team or have less people. Um, but very different market. I wasn't, you know, nearly as experienced then. So, and if you were operating today with all that hard-fought experience in the battles that you've won and lost, what would you do? Well, I'd, I'd focus on being in a, building my employer brand before I even started the company. So, I think I have luckily that I have a bit of a personal brand, for, whatever that means. But some people know might want to work with me for some reason. Maybe not after this segment when yeah, we disprove yeah. all of your predictions. Yeah. Um, and so I, I start with the employer brand, start with the mission. Why do people, who, why, why should you be excited to work with me? And then I'd pay top, top packages and I'd actually focus on the, uh, make, helping people understand the option value mm -hmm. of what they're getting. Cause I think Canadians still don't understand optionality. Yes. It's not guaranteed pay, but I think I'd make it top of the market package, including the value of the options. So I get people that are excited for the mission, excited to work as a team with us and see the big financial upside if everything goes well. And, I like that. and and focus on a smaller team rather than a large team. I like it. So I think uh, prediction came true, but it is slowing. And we'll see what yeah. happens going to next year. The next prediction you made, we were talking about the Canadian gravy train. So earlier in the year, you also predicted that the big B VCs and the big valuations in Canada were going to cool down. Did that happen? No, definitely not. <laughs> Um, I've probably been predicting this every, uh, I'll get this right one, one, one half of one year. Cause I, I, I'll predict it again right now. Like, look, a broken clock is right. Two times a day. Is yeah, that right? But, That's yeah. what you're going but, for uh, here. But also valuations can't just keep on going up. Like unless, unless like, unless our company's keeping outperforming everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you saw England raise in, in, interest rates yesterday by 15 basis points. The first G seven or G 30 company to do that in two years. Um, look, Maybe we're going to shut down for another three to six months. I got, I, I hope not. And maybe we'll keep interest rates low, but eventually interest rates have to go up and there'll be a few big blowups. And then that tends to scare the market. There's cycles here. I don't believe the cycles completely disappeared. I mean, you, and, you've lived through a lot of cycles, old Alex Norman. Yeah. Used to have full set of hair 25 <laughs> years ago. Uh, so, th so this is interesting. The first, uh, first prediction, uh, you got half right. This one you got wrong and you're sticking to the prediction. Um, I'm curious, how are these two related? How is the well, reverse brain drain slowing and the gravy train continuing linked? The gravy train has a, look, if, if VC stop funding startups, there won't be jobs, right? So we'll probably have less need to import salaries will fall. So it'll be less attractive. So people will, it will definitely, 
if if let's say we go to extreme, you know, uh, venture winter where mm-hmm. valuations drop 30, 40% and only half the companies get funded, just less demand, people start looking at other jobs. So growth may not go to zero, but it will slow down. Um, the flip side is too much funding is probably bad too because now we have a shortage of supply and prices are going up. Mm-hmm. So now now people start looking at hiring abroad. So, you know, there's probably go to lock situations for the growth of our our of our tech talent from, you know, and at least from a demand perspective, but either too hot or too slow in value, too low in valuations will hurt the growth of overall tech ecosystem. I mean, if you're building in the Canadian tech ecosystem now, do you have to change anything or you just, you focus on building a good business? Is there anything you can do to prepare for this stuff? As a founder or as a government or as a founder, as a founder, look, the fundamentals of building business never change. Build a, build a product that customers love, Create a lot of value, capture some, and make sure that no one else can compete with you. So easy. Not hard to execute against whatsoever. Now, you mentioned uh, what about advice for the government. Now, this is a funny thing because I know that you have mentioned a few times you're not a big believer in these programs and them getting involved in in how we run these things. So what are you thinking in this case? So I think we need to spend less money to support the tech ecosystem. So like, and, and I'll get probably lots of nasty emails like shred IRAP are nice, but I think are not needed in this environment and it could save us money. And I think what we could do is the government should create clear regulations to promote innovation and rules. So like, for example, what works well, easy to immigrate talent and engineer. What else would work well is, Hey, we have new technology like drones. What is a framework we can try and work and like, give us like a sandbox to work on it. And let's be open to learning and creating leading regulation. So there's certainty because the things that kill ecosystems is when you don't know if you can operate. And I think with Web3, there's a lot of questions about cryptocurrencies and technologies, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, you're going to see that we're going to have, I think there's going to be tons of automation and robots in factories. I think there's going to be drones. There's so many autonomous vehicles. If we, instead of subsidizing these research, we should be creating ways for them to work with the different stakeholders and create regulations. I don't say get carte blanche to go, but like government's proactively saying, how can we make this an attractive place to, to build your technology? I like that. And of course, the very first step of that is banning all robotics from the sidewalk. No comment. No. <laughs> uh, look, we'll know Friday if that happens in Toronto or not. They're going to vote. Next, uh, what trends did you think, Alex, were going to accelerate or reverse due to the post-COVID reopening. (laughs) So this was back in July. Uh, You were predicting that some trends would continue and some would fizzle out in September when things were reopening. Uh, Let's talk about those trends. Here are the ones that you thought were going to continue. Entertainment, e-commerce, and health tech. Did they? So, and ESG. So ESG is definitely, it's gone even hotter. Health tech, I would say overall, there's still a lot of health innovation, a lot of stuff around mental health. Um, the one thing that's probably fizzled a bit there is telehealth or video health because just too many providers and some people, but like, and depending so on was the jurisdiction. So it was a low barrier to entry. So the ones that were already established did yeah. well, but then everyone else came online. Yeah, but 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 yeah. So within that, health is still going up is one of the fastest growing categories in tech, but mm-hmm. there's some that have softened. And, it, and again, it depends on your jurisdiction. It's still pretty hard to see a doctor in person in Ontario. Yeah. Um, entertainment, I'd say, continues to grow. E-commerce has had a bit. Of, apparently, people like going shopping in person. Again, <laughs> depends on the category. If you're doing yeah. ghost kitchens, 
or sorry, ghost grocery stores. Yeah. Those are going through the roof. Or like, you know, we had good, good. Who's a related to that. There's, there's a lot of funding. There's a lot of money there. Sure. There's Tiggy and, in uh, Vancouver and Kiwi me in Calgary. Yeah. Um, consumer fintech. Well, I don't think we're ever going to see that slow down. Um, you know, so those ones, I'd say, I, you know, let's say there's five of them. I'd say four and a half out of five are still going strong. Okay. So you nailed that one. We give you a, we give you a point for that. But here are the ones that you thought were going to fizzle out. The creator economy and distributed work. Did they fizzle? There's a couple more there. Um, distributed work, I think it's too early to tell. I'm hearing a lot of pushback on it. I'm hearing lots of companies that want to open offices. I, I met with a few founders in person this week, and all of them have bought, got new offices and saying that they don't believe distributed works. I think some companies are more distributed. I think, who knows, because we're still in some sort of lockdown, so people haven't seen it. I think there's been hits in the space, but like Zoom, look at the valuation of Zoom. It's down. Look at the value. Like, so there is headwinds there. Yeah, but um, Zoom's facing a lot of really innovative up and coming competitors. I mean, that's got to put some pressure on their valuation yeah, too, but right? Like, but like even even Hopin, um, C, or Cvent, the big comp that went public was supposed to be valued at five billion, so that four hundred million market cap. So there is there is pressure there that's saying that maybe the valuations and the money got ahead. Maybe it's still a trend that's continuing. The creator economy, I'm not sure because like if you believe in what's going on with Web three, there's a lot of money going to creators, but is it like is a Substack as valuable and popular as it was a year ago so maybe it's gone through another revolution i don't know what yeah do well, we've got we've got um miss excel now yeah well that i know you're you alex subscriber. that could have been you you know uh and the other one we had there was experienced consumer apps mm -hmm. you know like that's definitely taking a hit um uh food delivery actually despite people wanting ghost kitchen a ghost uh, grocery food delivery apps have, have slowed down mm -hmm. uh fitness you know you know do we need to talk about peloton like even sex in the city's reboot uh dunked on them wow um, yeah and then i said you know commerce prop tech i'm not sure i haven't i don't have enough data okay so alex i'm gonna rate your predictions two and a half out of four that's pretty Woo! good in a in a lot in your industry that is world-class performance thanks i was pretty generous there on the yeah. scoring all right alex if you want to hang out with the TechTO community to talk about what predictions you're going to make in 2022. You got to come and join us tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific with the team at Blockthrough and angel investor Roy Pereira. Alex, why should people tune in tomorrow? This is usually we talk with VCs. Here we're talking with an operating angel and a founder that hasn't didn't have immediate success. They had to... Um, you know, do consumer research, sort of do a couple of pivots. So it's good to see how a good operating angel can work and help with a company with. Kind and you said there's a lot more operating angels out there in the market now. Yes. So it's a good one for them to tune into as well. And then finally, Quick Takes is going to be taking a short break over the next few weeks, but we will be back in January oh. at an all new time. Jason, right, I thought, yeah, I, I, yeah, but I thought we were doing a, a, a Christmas marathon. I mean, you were going to do this for six hours. There's no Christmas marathon. No way. Tune in Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. on the West Coast or in Cryptoland for all the Canadian news you need to know. We will see you in January. Uh, but first, we're going to do a little wrap up here, a little TechTO wrapped, the best content from TechTO in 2021, breaking down all the top content that you watched, listened to, and read from the past year. Now, first, YouTube was really hot for us 
Alex, the Tech Teal community watched 415,000 minutes on our channel in 2021. That's almost a whole year of watching. You agree with this. You go, okay, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm just, and it wasn't even my kids. So I'm just trying to, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. Okay. So our top video of the year was a founders and funding conversation that you had with Boast.ai and Galvanize. It had tens of thousands of views. Why do you think that was the most popular? Well, you had a great story there about how Galvanize basically um, went from a startup to an exit. You had Lloyd who's built Boast. So an investor, um, and a founder that both had success, both are well-known, and a lot of lessons were shared. I love it. And uh, what's, has anything happened with that story? Like, I guess, have we followed up with Galvanize post-exit? How are they all doing over there? Can't say I have. Have you, Jason? No, I think that might be on our 2022 list. We should follow up with our top performing stories of the year. We also had a hit in a video uh, titled Digital Innovation in Pharma Marketing. That was featuring Dorothy. What do you think of that one? <laughs> well, I guess people in pharma want to know how to digital market. I guess they're just getting to the game. Like you can't. I guess you, everyone switching off TV is no longer seeing those, you know, thirty-second pharma commercials with twenty-five seconds of warnings. If you get this, you may die and have a heart attack. And you know, so I assume that that's an industry that's learning to use digital marketing. All right. And I think that one is going to uh, keep growing. Part of your trend that you said sort of fizzling out a little bit, but might come back real strong in 2022. Alex, this year, we also did a ton on the podcast front. We launched four series. We launched Quick Takes, which you'll listen to right now, Founders and Funding, Rocket Ships, and Tech Together. And all four of those series are available wherever you listen to podcasts. And this community absolutely loved them. Listen to our shows. Uh, I think it was over 400,000 minutes again. So again, getting close to almost three quarters of a year on this one. And our top podcast from the year was an episode of Quick Takes, The End of Easy Money. Why do you think uh, everyone loved the prediction that you got wrong this year? Well, I don't think they love, they tune in for that prediction. I think they love Quick Takes. I, I think, we're trying to look at the news that's happening in Canada and give some analysis and thought behind it. And so when people have some time and, you know, you know, this is what I assume this is what they do when they jog or, or get on their Peloton or, or on their lunch break. So I, I just think quick takes is generally being well-received and people like watching it. What's your thoughts here, Jason? Uh, I hope so. It's fun to talk about the news and not just know it, but understand the why behind it. And I think Alex, you're doing a good job delivering the why and what it means for founders in Canada. Now, we also crushed it on the email front, Alex. Our uh, email service provider must be wheezing because we sent 167 campaigns to over 5.6 million recipients, and you guys loved them. And uh, it's one of the number one, the number one click, uh, category click. Do you know what it is, Alex? What are people clicking the most in the newsletter? On Fridays. Or yeah, not, I guess that's... What are they clicking? I don't know. Quick takes. They're clicking on quick takes. Woo! So if, if you're listening right now, you probably found us from the newsletter. Uh, thanks so much for uh, opening the newsletter, for reading it, and clicking on quick takes. Uh, there are a couple other categories that people really love from the newsletter. Any guesses? Uh, probably jobs. You know, I love what, those jobs. And, and probably uh, the spotlights on up and coming companies they should be no, no, knowing about. Absolutely nailed it. 
And so 2022, Alex, it is going to be more videos, more newsletters, more podcasts, and hopefully more in-person events. I think we snuck in uh, four this year, two in Toronto and two in Vancouver. Uh, and we'll see what happens over the break to see if we can run a whole series next year, monthly in Toronto and bi-monthly in Vancouver and take the show on the road. Lots of people now listening to us, uh, not just in the downtown metro areas, uh, but all across the country. Uh, Alex, where do you think we should take the TechTO show to in 2022? Uh, I think we should go coast to coast from Victoria to Halifax. Let's do it. Let's get a uh, one of those. What are these uh, motorcycles, those electric motorcycles in Vancouver yeah, called? I think it's Damien. Let's get, let's get one of those, mm -hmm. and let's get Alex on the hog cross country. I was going to get an electric uh, VW van. That's, that, that sounds good. We'll do a conversion on a Westphalia for you. Oh, my goodness. What a year in Canadian tech. And if you haven't already, you've got to like and subscribe to TechTO wherever you're watching or listening so you get all of our 2022 content. And we will see you next year on The Inside.